My God, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. We give you our hearts and praise, Lord, and we thank you so much that your thought, your thoughts toward us, Lord, is more than the sand. Even though our sins are many like the sand, Lord, what love, forgiveness, and grace you give us every day. Lord, as we come before you as our Lord God, what you say is, much more precious than anything else in this world. And God, we yearn to hear from you. So whisper into our hearts today, God, and give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 for our study this morning. You know, all around the world, there are like these ancient relics tied to the crucifixion of Jesus. And I don't believe that they are actually from the time when Jesus died on the cross. But it's interesting in a wacky sort of way, like the holy nail. And you can see this up on your screen. Uh, it's, they believe it's one of the nails that uh, uh, hung Jesus on the cross. And there's a little case for it. There's also the crown of thorns, and that's in case two, uh, to keep it uh, honored and cherished there. And this one was actually saved from the fire in Notre Dame Cathedral last year, you know, when they had that fire. There's also another ancient relic, the Holy Lance. And that's the spearhead that uh, supposedly the spearhead that pierced Jesus' side when he was on the cross. I think the next one is interesting. It's the veil of Veronica. It's in case you're in a frame. Uh, Veronica supposedly is a lady who took her cloth and wiped the sweat and blood from Jesus' forehead when he was carrying the cross down the Via Della Rosa. And when uh, the sweat and blood was wiped off him, an image was transferred to the cloth. Well, you can think whatever you want with that. A number of years ago, back in 2013, and the archaeologists in Turkey claimed that they had uncovered a fragment of the wooden cross that Jesus hung on. While they're excavating this 1,350-year-old church in the Black Sea, they found inside a small stone chest, and inside was the artifact, which they actually called the true cross. And what you see on the screen is, is really uh, something uh, that, you know, uh, not the actual one in Turkey, but they found many, through, uh, or many of the churches have them in uh, their place. So this is one there. You see, what legend says is that the uh, Helena, the mother of the Roman emperor, Emperor Constantine, she found the cross and then sent pieces of, of the cross to different church leaders in 6060 AD. So many today claim that they have a fragment of the cross. I thought what was funny was uh, late, later in the 1500s, a theologian, John Calvin, said sarcastically, joking, saying, if all the supposed splinters of the true cross, quote-unquote, were collected, there would be enough wood to build a boat. Well, many believe, though, these ancient artifacts are to be true. So many churches, you can see, they enshrine them. They treat them with great respect, cherishing them as the real thing. But you know what? In contrast, let me point out, we have an ancient book in our hands, don't we? And we also 
are to, and we do, treat it with honor. For we believe truly this is the word of God. And that is why it's titled, right, the Holy Bible here. Well, the question really is, do you really respect and cherish your Bible as God's word? Do you really respect that? Do you really cherish it in that way? Well, as we return to our verse-by-verse study in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, he writes here, he thanks the Lord for how the Thessalonian believers received their words as the very word of God. And it, it shows overall with Scripture that it shows how they greatly respect and cherish the word of God. We're going to be studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 today as we go on here in our study. Just one verse. And you know what? Before we get into it, I want, to, I want to read it together. And I want you guys to honor God, honor the Word by standing right now. And we're going to read verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you can stand here right now. Let's read this together. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. You can be seated. What we're going to see here in verse 13 is three things about the word. And three things what we need to do. Number one, hear it. Number two, hold it. And number three, heed it. Number one, hear it as from God. Number two, hold it dear to your heart. And number three, heed it in your life. So let's look at the first thing that we need to do. Number one, hear it as from God. Hear it. Now again, 1 Thessalonians 13, Paul writes here, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. And we'll stop right there for our first part. Now we begin with how Paul was constantly thankful to the Lord. And why is that? Well, he he says here that when, when the Thessalonians first heard the word of God that they preached, they received it. In other words, they believed it. And when they believed it, you know what happened? We've been talking about, right? They became saved. They found salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, the Greek word here for received in our English is literally to receive by the hearing of the ear, ear. It means by the hearing of the ear. So Paul spoke the word of God and the Thessalonians responded hearing what they said as the word of God. And we know today what they spoke about is in our Bibles, and we we take it as the Word of God. Well, as they heard it, they took it as the Word of God. They listened to their message as if God was speaking, and God was speaking through them. Now, I want you to understand something here. As we move into this last section of chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians, Paul Hart is, is warmed here. He's thankful. He's, he's, he, you know what? He's excited and he sees despite the persecution that's going on in their city against their, in what they believe in, against them because of what they believe, believe in, these believers show themselves as overcomers. And, and keep that in the back of your mind. I mean, that's going to be our focus as when we get into the rest of the chapter next week. But here Paul points out that these guys were overcomers because it's how they respected and cherished 
the Word of God. Because they respect and cherish the Word of God, they became overcomers. And that's how the first thing Paul sees on hearing the message that they were speaking, they saw it as God is speaking, and they, that's how they overcame the things that they were going through. So, here's what the Thessalonians tell us, and this is our first point. When it comes to the Word, be attentive and listen as if God is speaking, for He is. When it comes to the Word, be attentive and listen as if God is speaking, for He is. You know, parents when, know when their baby cries, you're listening, right? Your, your ears are tuned in. You're trying to figure out by their cry, are they hungry? Are they wet? You know, soiled their diaper? Or may, maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe they're just complaining, right? So parents, their ears are tuned to listen to the cry because they're concerned for their baby. Now, as a grandparent, when we hear little Riley cry, oh, we're concerned too. We're like, what's going on? But I'll tell you, it's not as much as the parents are, right? As mom and dad are. I mean, we're, we're, we're one step away, but we're, we're concerned. We, we love baby Riley too. And, and so we're listening in and we have some concern too. But probably the, the neighbor isn't as concerned, especially if it's not that loud, when they hear little baby Riley cry, you know, sound coming out of the window. Why? Because it's not their baby, right? And eventually, you know, cry goes away and there's no concern in why or what happened and, you know, what was going on. Well, in the same manner, you and I, as people that God created, we should be concerned when our Creator speaks, right? When He says something, we should really be listening, I mean, when I tell you during our messages, you know, during our time in the Word, I'll say, when I, when I say, like, God is speaking to you, I don't know about you, do, do you, like, perk up a little bit? You know, I do. When, when I hear a, a pastor I'm sitting under at a conference, I say, you know what, God is speaking to us today. God is speaking to you. And I'm like, oh, what, what is that? You know, what, what, what is God saying? So, in this same manner, when it comes to the Word, be attentive and listen as if God is speaking. You know what? Because He is. He is. Let me ask you, when the Word of God is preached or when it's taught, are you really listening to hear what God is trying to tell you? Are you? I mean, some, some people, they're listening, but they're not really listening for God's voice. Some, some really listen for entertainment yeah uh you know if it's not entertaining uh if pastor rick doesn't tell enough jokes then ah i'm not gonna listen no more i'm gonna check out some listen they're listening with itching ears the bible talks about you know what that is that means listening for things that that you want to be said that maybe will validate your actions or, or make it okay for something you're doing. And so you're listening for things like that. That's listening with itching ears. Some, the Bible says in Hebrews 5.11, are dull of hearing. That's when you really don't listen. I mean, maybe you, you hear, but you're not really listening, listening, right? There's no desire. There's no passion. I mean, it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to do whatever what I want to do. So it's just rah, 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 rah. You know, it's more like you come here to church for a ritual 
just to bide your time. And, and well, the pastor's going to talk. We're going to get in a Bible. But, hey, whatever. And then once I'm done, I did my thing. You know, here, God, see, I went to church. Okay, and then you go up. But you're not really listening. But shouldn't it be when we open our Bibles, when we read the Word, that we're listening for God to speak to us? And so this is the Thessalonians. They hear it as from God. They took it as from God. They received hearing with the ears is what receive means. And so they respected it and cherished the word of God. You know what? God has amazingly provided this Bible for us. God's done this because he wants us to hear him speak from this book. He's provided it and he's preserved it. You know what? All these thousands of years. I mean, really, this is, this, is, this is an ancient book, an ancient document that we hold in our hands. Now, yes, people wrote this. Yeah, These men wrote it, but they wrote it inspired by the Holy Spirit. God gave them these words to speak. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the first part says, All scripture is breathed out by God. In 2 Peter 1.21, the second part says, Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you can trust what we have in here is God speaking, even though men wrote it. But you know what? God used real people, like a fisherman, a soldier, musicians, a doctor, right? The book of Luke we're studying. A king like David, even a tax collector, right? Like the book of Matthew. God used them to speak and write the very words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I I think this is amazing because in this ancient book that we have, you know what, there's six, understand this, there's 66 books in the Bible, right? It was written by over 40 writers. It was written in a period spanning like 1,300 years, and it was written in three different languages, mainly Hebrew and Greek and some parts in Aramaic, like we saw in the book of Daniel. Yet, with so many years, right, so many span of years, with so many different authors and languages, there is a clear unity to its truths of God and, guess who? Jesus Christ. That's what God has done. That's what's so amazing about this this ancient document that we hold. Now, someone might ask you, okay, well, all right, but, you know, is it really accurate? I mean, is what we're reading accurate to what the writers that originally written. I mean, is it really? Well, you know, if someone asks you this, this is what I would say. I would say, you know what? Today, there's a standard test researchers use to determine the accuracy of ancient documents. And what they do is they, they, they gather all the ancient documents and compare it with each other, and they compare it to even what's published today. That's how they determine the accuracy, right? So if something written a long time ago, and if there's a lot of copies, it, it kind of validates itself, right? And if, if there's a book that's published, you know, printed today, and you compare it, it's like the same. It's like, oh, hey, that's pretty accurate to, to when it was originally written. For example, one of the, 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 the actually the most uh, uh, 
number of manuscripts or copies that we have of an, uh, an, a non-biblical ancient document is, from a, is a famous Greek writing called Homer's Iliad. It was written in 800 BC. The closest copy uh, to that was found. It was written in 400 BC, so about 400-year gap there. There are 1,800 copies of that, and they most strongly uh, match the book like we would have today. So that validates the accuracy uh, that this published book is So, and what, what's out there today. 1,800 copies say, wow, that, that's pretty good, right? Now take the New Testament, just the New Testament here in our Bibles. It was written between 50 and 180. The oldest manuscript that we have available today, that copy we have, it's dated 130 A.D. That's only 30 years, not 400, 30 years from the original writing. So that, that's got to be pretty close, you know, in time, so it's pretty accurate. There are almost 24,000 ancient copies or manuscripts in Greek and translated in other languages also from the Greek um, that are uh, here today, ancient now, manuscripts. That's like 13, over 13 times more than Homer's Iliad and with less of a gap. So by far, there, there's something more closer to the original here with our Bibles. And, and, and when you compare it to our translations and Bibles today, it's very much the same. The Old Testament has 42,000 ancient manuscripts. Now that's way more than the 1800 of uh, Homer's Iliad, right? And so you can see how all of this, the Old Testament, New Testament, it, it, it's very much the same as, as what we have today as all these copies. So you can see that it, the, our Bibles we hold today is very, very accurate. Did you know there's no other ancient book or document that comes even close to the number of manuscripts that the Bible has? So if more ancient copies match each other and they match what we have today, then you know what? The Bible that we hold today is the most accurate ancient book in the world. So you know what? You could say that scientifically, the Bible is what? The Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. And you know what? That's not even taking into uh, you, you know, prophecy, right? on how prophecy has come true. And that even validates it even more. By the way, everything I've been talking about is in a booklet here, and it's called Why Trust the Bible, and we have it on the table. You can grab one on the way back, or those of you connected online, you can actually download this off of our website. But I encourage you guys, pick this up, you know, and share it with someone. If anyone ever asks you, uh, really, is the Bible accurate? What? I mean, you guys are into that. It is. It is. God has preserved it, provided it for us to, to give to us His very Word. So do you understand now, when it comes to the Word, be attentive, right? Listen as if God is speaking, because in here, God is speaking. Well, let's go on now to number two. Hold it. So hear it as from God, as we respect and cherish the Word of God. And now hold it. Hold it. Hear it and then hold it dear to your heart. 
Let's take a look at the middle part of First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul goes on here to say this. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. And we'll stop there now. Paul goes on to say how the, the Thessalonian believers now, you know, when they heard Paul preach the word, the, when they heard the missionaries talk here, these Thessalonians did not take it as the word of men. It wasn't man's wisdom. It wasn't man's thinking. It wasn't man's philosophy. I mean, it wasn't typical to how, remember, there was ancient traveling speakers, right? They come around and give their spiel and maybe their motivational speeches, right? And, and they come in and talk about their things. Well, Paul's saying, you guys didn't listen to us like that. No, you accepted it for what it is, the word of God, the very word of God. Now, the word here in the middle of verse 13, accepted, that means to embrace into the heart. It's different from receive now. It means to embrace into the heart. And the New King James versions, if you still have that, it says welcome, right? So it's to welcome it, embrace it, hold it. They heard the message whose source was God. That's how they, they took it. The Thessalonians took it to heart, you could say, but not only took it to heart, but I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He defines the word accepted as the hearing of the heart. I love that, yeah? Because you can hear with the ear, but now Paul even brings it down deeper in how these Thessalonian believers received the word or accepted it. They heard it with their heart. So, Paul is thanking God for all the Thessalonian believers have, have a special place for the word in their heart. I like how Job put it. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. That's the idea. When you bring it into your heart, when you're hearing it from your heart, you're treasuring it. It's important. It's not just, okay, I hear yeah, it's the word of God. But no, you take it down into your soul. You embrace it. You treasure it in your heart. So here's what Paul saw with the Thessalonians. He, here's what he saw them do. If you know that it comes from God, then treasure every word he says. That's what happened. Yeah, They didn't just hear it, but they... We're hearing it with their heart. If you know that it comes from God, which they believe it did, and they believe, then they treasured every word that God said. You know, when I was um, a while back, when I was clean, uh, a while back when my wife was kind of cleaning up around the room, and I, I had left my laptop, you know, on the table, and she started to grab that and stack some other things on it. I don't know if you remember that. But, you know, put some things together. And, and then I saw her, and, I, and I, I got a little, well, maybe more than a little, upset that she was treating my laptop, you know, like something else, another book and all these other things, you know, laying around the house. And she was just stacking it, trying to get it out of the way. And, I mean, I was thinking, you could have scratched my precious new laptop, right? But, you know, I was thinking, 
how, much, how many times do we treat our very Bibles kind of like nothing, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, sometimes we just throw it on the floor, right? Or sometimes we just let the wind like blow and all the pages get crumpled. Or you just close it and maybe like five pages are like fold, the corners folded. You're like, oh, oh whatever, you know, kind of thing. Or, or maybe we're not as careful to have something not spilled, you know, on the Bible. Or how about this? Have you ever lost your Bible? Lost it in your house even? Or, or, or maybe you lost it for days? Yeah. But you know what I you know what I was thinking? Is that how we treat the Bible in our hearts? In our hearts, you guys. Do we treasure God's word? Do we respect and cherish it? Yeah. As God's word. Do we really take it into our hearts? Now I, I know we have our electronic devi- devices and we have you know, our Bible is digital, many of us. I have that too. But even with that, can we can neglect it among maybe 50 other apps too, right? And it can get lost in that way. But what we need to do, if we know that the Word comes from God, then we need to treasure it. We need to treasure every word He says if we know it comes from God. Do you treasure God's Word? Do you give it... A high place in your heart, you guys. Do you hold your Bible in your heart as something very dear and precious because this is what God has spoken? Do we do that? Do you hold it dear to your heart? You know, I like how the psalmist, yeah, he's real, right? I mean, um, I, I love reading the psalms and things David goes through and, and the other writers, and they're really real, and you know, when they cry out, I'm like right there, and I love reading psalms, and, and I love it when we had just gone through it in our daily reading, but I like how the psalmist is real about the Word of God. I mean, sometimes money can become more important to us, right? We sacrifice time in the Word to make more money, but the psalmist recognized this. In Psalm 119.72, he wrote, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I love that. He treasures the word more than money in the world. I like the psalmist how sometimes I think like you and I, sleep is very important, right? Rather than spending time with the king of the universe, we cherish sleep. More, yeah? And we don't take that time. But the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 148, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. I love that. He's willing to stay awake to meditate on God's word. I think the question comes down to this. Do you really treasure God himself, right? Do you treasure God Because to treasure God is to treasure His Word. Do you really treasure the Lord in your heart and in your life? Perhaps maybe today you're sitting here and you're in that dry time, quote-unquote. 
You know, you don't feel it like like you did when you used to open the word in the morning. And, and that's why it's hard to wake up and read. That's why it's easy to just ah oh, go do other things or, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go work and, and, you know, make some more money, you know, and all that. That's why it's hard to even come to church sometimes because, uh, I, I don't know, we study God's word, uh, you know. And you feel that dryness. I, I remember there was a time... Um, after being a Christian for a number of years, that, that the spark didn't seem to be there, and gone was my hunger for the Lord. And I felt that dry time. I remember going through that. Now, some of it was because I was distracted with things in the world. I was pretty young and growing up out on, our, on my own and stuff. Some of it, I think, was because of my own fault, because I was allowing some sins in my life. It, it, it's like what um, John Bunyan said, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. But I'll tell you, most of it was because my focus was on myself. Let me explain. I wanted to feel something from God. I wanted to, that zap and that emotion when I looked in, in, into the Word. I wanted God to say what I wanted. I, was, I became really the center of my devotion, my time with the Lord. That's what was really going on. And it was not about the creator of the universe. It was all about me. God do this for me. God give me this. God do this. And you know what fixed me? Fixed me was to just go to the Lord the King, the Lord of the universe, the Creator, and bow down to Him and let God speak whatever He wanted to speak. When I went to Him and treasured Him as my Lord God, as, 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 as my love, my, my, the one who saved me, you know what? That's when I started treasuring God and that's when I started treasuring the Word. When I treasured the God of the Word, then I treasured the Word of God. See, it's not about looking to get something from the Lord, yeah? But it's about giving God the opportunity to speak to you. That's what it's about. Today, I can't wait to sit down with the Lord. I read my Bible in the morning, and I listen for His voice. I listen for Him to speak through the verses. So, knowing what we have in our hand comes from God. Let's treasure every word that he says. And, and you know what? Let me say something. God wants to speak to you. God wants to give you his word. God wants to open up truth to you. God, God does, isn't just going to say what you want to hear. Yeah. He's going to bring you into intimate, deep truth and wisdom and guidance and direction like you've never seen before. And it may go against what you're thinking and feeling, but you know what? God knows what's best. Think about this. What, what we have in our hands, yeah, the words of God here, the, the word of God is made of the very stuff eternity is made of. Think about that. God is eternal. His words are eternal. And so what we have is, is the very stuff that eternity is made out of. So it will never run dry. It will never get old. His word will eternally be 
wonderfully infinite and alive. So, hold it dear to your heart. Well, let's go on here. Number three, heed it. Heed it. Heed it in your life. We need to respect and cherish the Word of God. We need to hear it, hold it, and now heed it. Heed it in your life. The last part of verse 13 now says, which is at work in you believers. So lastly here in this verse, Paul writes how it is the Word of God that is making all the difference in the lives of these believers. They're becoming, remember this section is about being overcomers. They're living differently. They're overcoming their old life, overcoming the persecution. They're being able to rise above it and be different people. Why? Because the Word of God, he says here, is at work. And you know what that means? That means, at work means it is working efficiently or effectively, efficiently and produces what it intends to do. Why is that? Because the Word of God is powerful because it comes from a powerful God. And so it has the power to change lives. But let me say this. It just doesn't ooze into you and poof, right? What happens? It, this all happens when the Word is applied. So when Paul says at work, it means the Word of God is effective, efficient, fruitful when the Word is applied. When we obey God, when we apply it, when we put faith in it, when we believe in it, when we appropriate it into our lives. A Puritan Thomas Watson said, doers of the word are the best hearers. I like that. So when we hear it and do it, that makes the change in our lives. So our final, say, takeaway and point here is this. The Bible is not given for information, but for transformation. The Bible is not given for information, but transformation. That's what the Thessalonians found. That's what they found when they applied. The word was at work in their lives. On a South Pacific island known before to, to have cannibals on an island, a local proudly showed off his Bible to a soldier, American soldier, during World War II. And the soldier looked at it and said, oh, you know, we've outgrown that sort of thing. Well, the native smiled back and said, it's a good thing we haven't. If it weren't for this book, you'd been my dinner. <laughs> you see, the Bible, right, is not given just for information, but for transformation. Do you understand that? We can hear it and we can even believe this is the word of God. Yeah, uh-huh. We can even hold it in our hearts and treasure it, but it does nothing until we heed it, until we apply it, and that's when it is at work in our lives. Heed the word, and it will change your life. That's what, that, that's what it means, you know, to be in the word, that we hear it, hold it, and we heed it. It's a whole complete package. When we get into the Word, the Word gets into us. And you know what? That's when we grow, when we take this complete package. It's not just doing number one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, hear it. It's the Word of God. And stop. It's not just going down to number two and hold it and stopping. No, it's heeding it by applying what God is saying to us, putting our faith in, being obedient. And get this. As we do that, God moves in our lives. The Holy Spirit is actively working with what the Word of God is saying. It's sinking together, and change will come 
about. No other book will do this, you guys. There's some books in this world, they'll, they'll inform, right? There's books that inform, many out there. There's some that will maybe reform, but there's only one that transforms. And this is our Bibles right here. This is it. When you really get into the Bible this way, when you get into the Bible in the way I'm talking about, the Bible will get into you, and your life will be totally different. The great English preacher C.H. Spurgeon said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And that's how you can be an overcomer in this life. That's how you can overcome your sins and over, have victory over those habitual things and grow into everything Jesus wants you to be. It's through the word that God works and it's through the word that lives are transformed. The Bible is not given for information but transformation. So heed it in your life. So know this, you guys. That's why the enemy wants to keep you and I from the Bible, from being in the Word. I've seen him use whatever he can to keep us from being in the Word, right? He'll, 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 use, he'll, he'll come and he'll bring distractions, right? Or he'll tempt us away from the Word. He knows our weaknesses and he'll come in and, 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 and try and keep us out of the Word in whatever way he can. You know, you go to sit down and read and all of a sudden... The phone rings. Yeah. Or you, or you open up your Bible and you pray, God, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. And then you all, all of a sudden you're starting to read and then a thought comes in your mind, right? It's kind of like the, the dog, right? Squirrel. <laughs> We're so easily distracted, right? God's trying to speak to us, you know. Or all, all of a sudden, oh, oh, I didn't wake up in time. Oh, 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 you read five minutes and you're off, right? The enemy knows how to get to you. Listen, the devil is not afraid of a Bible that's got dust on it. Think about it that way. But he is afraid of those who are into following the Bible and opening their Bible daily. Understand, the enemy knows when your life is in the Word, the Word will give you life. That's why he's trying to stop you. Let me close with this. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift that God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is, is communicated to us through this book. And then Abraham Lincoln said this, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. And that's it, guys. There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go that we will find the truth of God. There's nowhere else to go that we will hear God speak to us in, 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 uh, you know, in the main way, right? There's no one else to go that will find salvation and, and everything we need for life. There's nowhere else to go that will find life. Have you been trying to find life in other things? Have you been trying to find life in everything else but the Word? It's time now to give your life to Jesus and put your life into the Word. Let us do what the Thessalonians have done here. And let us show our Lord that we respect and cherish the Word of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, 
Forgive us, Lord, for not respecting your word like we should. Forgive us for not cherishing your word like we should. Forgive us for not treasuring it. Forgive us for not applying it like we should. God, cleanse us today from our sin and from our self-seeking and making it about me and not about you and what you want to say to us, Lord. Restore our heart for you today and restore that hunger for your word, Lord that we would yearn like a deer thirsting after the water brook to hear from you, to hear your voice, God. Lord God, we need you, we want you, and we know that in your word is life. And Jesus, you are the word, God. You are the logos. Lord, you in the beginning was the word, Lord. And you came, the word came to this earth. So, God, help us to hunger for the Word and to hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.